Well, hello, everyone, hello everyone, and welcome, and welcome to, to edition, edition 1852, 1852 of the Whitney, of the Whitney Talking Whitney News. Talking News. Uh, these, uh, these are uh, being recorded from our homes as we're still not in High Street Methodist Church. Today is Thursday, the uh, 18th of February. Uh, I'm Nigel James, and I've edited this edition, and Rob Oxpring is our technical operative this evening. Also, we have readers who are Peter Brading, Barbara Barringer, and Angela James. Right, so our first story is being read by uh, Peter, and this is about the COVID vaccine. The headline reads, over 7,000 get vaccine. In a massive combined feat of organisation and effort, staff and volunteers are pulling together to roll out the COVID-19 vaccinations at the Windrush Medical Practice in Whitney with more than 7,000 receiving their jabs since December 21. On February the 8th, clinicians moved on to begin vaccinating the over 65s. The Windrush practice is the vaccine hub for Pfizer inoculations for the five surgeries in the Ensham and Whitney primary care network. The Windrush, the Nuffield and Coggs Health Centres in Whitney and the Ensham and Longhamra medical practices. We're all very tired, but morale is good, said Dr. Stephen Smith, senior partner at the Windrush. The doctors and staff all passionately believe this is what's best for the community. The more vaccines we get, the quicker we can get people immunised. Our staff are working long hours and going above and beyond to make sure we get the vaccine out there. They are in at weekends making the calls to invite people to come for their jabs. Most of us are working six or seven days a week, and often 12-hour days. But we aren't halfway through our lists yet. There's some battle fatigue, but we will keep going. It's a privilege to be involved in the rollout of the COVID vaccine. The Pfizer vaccine presents particular challenges in that it has a lifespan of either three, four, or five days, whereas the University of Oxford AstraZeneca jab lasts six months and it's easier to store and transport. There are also the logistical demands of guiding as many as 1,100 patients through the Windrush practice and vaccinating them during a full day's clinic, particularly as with Pfizer, the recipients must wait 15 minutes after their jab to ensure that they have no immediate adverse reaction. We don't know the lifespan or amount of the vaccines we'll receive in advance. But with less than a week's notice, we need to invite around a thousand patients per day to attend for their jabs to ensure we use all of the doses. We don't want to waste a single dose, Dr. Smith said. Hattie Clay, practice manager at the Windrush, praised the work and dedication of volunteers. She said, our volunteers go around chatting with patients and making sure they are okay. There are 10 volunteer marshals at each session to help organise the queue and the clinic. They are just fantastic and so committed, turning out in awful freezing weather and staying late. They provide extra pairs of eyes for us, observing, keeping the queue flowing and dealing with queries. The Windrush's patient services manager, Tracy Walker, said, The volunteers are marvellous and such a help as the staff are running the vaccine clinics and doing their normal jobs as well. It's hectic. Volunteer Marshal Douglas Cantley, 33, who has 
currently furloughed from his sales job, has enjoyed his shifts at the Windrush vaccine clinics. I like helping and chatting to everyone, he said. Lots of people haven't been outside their homes for nine months or more, but they are really upbeat. A band of trained voluntary vaccinators recently joined the clinicians to administer the jabs, a welcome backup for the doctors who must continue to run their normal surgeries too. There are 12 vaccinators on duty at each clinic, with doctors, pharmacists and medical staff from all the practices within Ensham and Whitney Primary Care Network playing a part. Our next story is about demands for a 20 mile an hour limit, and this is going to be read by Angela. Demands for a further 20 mile per hour speed limit zone in Whitney. Whitney townspeople and councillors are urging the County Council to include another street in proposed 20 mile per hour speed limit zones. Oxford County Council is introducing the speed limit in several areas of Whitney as part of its active travel scheme but Mill Street is currently not part of the plans. Residents, however, want to see the 20 mile per hour zone extended from the junction with Bridge Street up to the Woodford Way traffic lights. Leading the call is West Oxfordshire District Councillor Andrew Coles, who said he has raised the matter with the County Council. I very much welcome the efforts to make Whitney's Road safer but it makes no sense not to include Mill Street. There is without a doubt a problem with speeding here and safety should take priority, particularly with Tower Hill Primary School just up the road. Reducing the speed limit would also help tackle levels of air pollution, which already exceed UK government targets and is damaging people's health. Ken Smith, chair of the Riverside Gardens Resident Association, said it's mostly older people that live at this end of town and the volume and speed of passing traffic is quite frightening. Carol Stark, who has lived in Woodford Mill for 17 years, added, There has been a definite increase in speeding along here in recent years. It's often not safe trying to pull out into traffic. Meanwhile, Whitney Town Councillor Liz Duncan, who lives nearby, said a 20 mile per hour speed limit would improve the lives of residents here in so many ways, making it safer, quieter and healthier for everyone. In 2016, a 12 hour traffic survey was conducted, finding that nearly 10,000 vehicles used Mill Street between 7am and 7pm, including 220 heavy goods vehicles. Thank you. And now over to Barbara for a story about a restaurant that used to be the Thai Bangla in Whitney. Flats served up in empty space used by a string of restaurants and it's about affordability of new homes aimed at housing of priced out young professionals. A restaurant which never had much success on Whitney High Street will be turned into three flats with the promise they will be aimed at young professionals. The former Thai Bangla restaurant at 79 High Street, Whitney, will be gutted and turned into three flats, one of which will be built into a new extension to the rear of the building. Several businesses have tried to make a go of the restaurant, but none have lasted long. The building's current owner, 
Nathan Pathmanathan, said the restaurant has become commercially unviable. In a letter sent to West Oxfordshire District Council's Lowlands Planning Committee, he added, numerous restaurants have opened at this site and been forced to close over the last 15 years due to the site being unsuitable for this purpose. Instead, he said using it as flats could provide affordable homes for young people currently priced out of the housing market. Mr. Panmanathans added, young professionals, often with student debt, cannot afford expensive rents of larger houses. Our property not only provides affordable housing, it also provides excellent accommodation to support local businesses. He argued that supermarkets and other shops down the street would have guaranteed customers from people living in the flats and no car parking was needed due to the close proximity to the shops. Councillors on the planning committee approved the plans unanimously and were in agreement it would help to revitalise the building after the string of failed restaurants it hosted. Whitney East councillor Duncan Enright said, it is an important building actually, it is an important site in the middle of Whitney. The key consideration to me is to make these into livable units and the historic site and design is in keeping. According to Historic England, 75 to 79 High Street in Whitney are all Grade 2 listed buildings. The list says they were built in the early 18th century from coarse limestone rubble. Thai Bangla, the restaurant which last occupied the building, appears to have had good reviews before it closed. Thank you. Our next item is about an online music tutor and is going to be read by Peter. And the headline reads, Online music teacher Peter finds the keys to happiness. An inspiring musician with Alzheimer's has been teaching children to play keyboard through YouTube tutorials during lockdown. Peter Mills, 66, has also spent his time confined to home writing, recording and releasing two singles and making a video, plus he has built his own website. He said, having the music to play and the challenge of writing the songs has kept me going. The first song, A Wondrous Journey, reflects life as we are setting as we are getting older and the second signing r.i.p is about losing a loved one i hope i am showing what is possible during these uncertain times even with dementia if you stay positive and i hope it will inspire others to try new things mr mills believes his story can help the thousands of people going through hardship due to the pandemic he said in 2008, our youngest son Danny died suddenly at the age of 23, and shortly afterwards, as a result of depression, I went bankrupt. We lost our family home in Whitney, where I was born and bred like my father before me, and as a result, we were offered a small bungalow by the local housing association, Cotsway, in the village of Shipton under Witchwood. Mr. Mills, who was a surveyor for rent-a-kill pest control, 
eventually got back to some form of normality, but three years ago was forced to retire early when diagnosed with vascular dementia and Alzheimer's disease. It was then that his son and wife Lynn bought him a refurbished Yamaha keyboard to keep his mind active. He had played a lot in the past, having taught himself in his twenties, and he started giving lessons. He said, The organ that I had donated to the that I had, I donated to the local care home when we moved because we didn't have space in a small bungalow. Mr Mills's health is good, but his short term memory is very poor, and he admits losing his bearings when out, but he is unfailingly positive. His sons Philip and Paul, as well as Danny and their wives, his five grandchildren, his late parents and his sisters feature in his video. He believes family and good friends have got him through the tough times. He said, I had only just joined Witchwood Golf Club when I was diagnosed with dementia and had to retire early. Tom Field, the golf pro and general manager, offered to let me collect balls on the range to enable me to keep my membership going. Keeping active is very important in trying to keep the dementia off as long as possible. Thank you, Peter. Now, I have uh, four short items from News in Brief, and the first one carries on the theme of dementia. Dementia advice event online from Care Home. A care home in Whitney is hosting a dementia awareness event. Millers Grange Care Home in Kerbridge is inviting people to attend a virtual event to learn more about the disease. It will also provide support and practical advice on how memories are lost. Jim McLeod, Dementia Friends Champion and Customer Relations Manager at the home, said it's natural to feel confused about the best way to help our loved ones. So our event aims to give professional knowledge and insight into those who need it. The second item is headed, Man Fined for Illegal Rave. A Whitney man has been fined after refusing to leave a Halloween rave. Hundreds of people gathered at a warehouse in Yate in South Gloucestershire on October the 31st. Avon and Somerset Police said that they stopped two to three hundred other people from going into it. At the time, two organisers were fined £10,000 each. Ashley Walker, 26, from Witchwood Close in Whitney, was fined £200 at Bristol Magistrates Court last week after being charged with obstructing the police and failing to leave land when requested. He was also ordered to pay a victim surcharge of £34 and £85 costs. The third item is headed Council Joins Eco Group. Oxfordshire County Council has partnered with business network Oxfordshire Green Check to help it reach a target by zero carbon by 2050. Councillor Yvonne Constance said it will give the council the opportunity to collaborate with businesses who are driving zero carbon transition in Oxfordshire. And the last item is headed, You Beauties. Shepherds on the Blenheim Estate are preparing for a busier than usual lambing season, with each ewe expected to produce two lambs. Farmers gave ultrasound scans to 1,000 lambs in their care. Now, digging into the archives, next we have a poem by Cynthia Napinski, 
uh, which should tug a few memories, and Angela's going to read it. Our TV set was black and white. Our TV set was black and white, on spindly legs it stood. More deep than wide was dials that clicked, curved glass screen and polished wood. The screen was less than 20 inches, far away, way over there, but you dared not creep up closer, lest your eyes would soon turn square. A whole four channels from which to choose, until they bid good night and close, from late night through to afternoon, with static noise and screen of snows. And if the channel you wish to change across the room you trek, then risk the loss of decent picture, as aerials were not high-tech. An exercise in mad frustration, swivelling, angling, to and fro. Yes, stop there! The picture's perfect. Fine, till you let go. If your show was on just once a week, then till the next you had to wait. No binge-watching or recording, if you missed it. That was bad luck, mate. At times your programmes overlapped. The dilemma left you vexed. Miss the end of one you're watching, or the beginning of the next. All those ads with annoying jingles, some were hard to take. No fast forwarding, no pausing, just time for a comfort break. Or maybe not, it was a gamble, so it really must be said. Though black and white it might have been, at times it had me seeing red. Thank you. And now over to Barbara again for an article about fly tipping. Fly tippers leave recycling point in a mess. The recycling point has been left covered in litter as fly tippers continue to dump non-recyclable waste at the site. The Bring site, located in one of Chipping Norton's town centre car parks, is set to close permanently because of the continued issue of fly tipping, which is amplified throughout the pandemic. West Oxfordshire District Council decided in November that due to the ongoing issue of fly tipping within the area, the recycling sites would have to be closed due to fears that even more rubbish would be tipped illegally. The Council's Cabinet agreed to the permanent removal of bring sites in a structured and managed way. Since the decision to remove the recycling points, however, Concerns have been raised about the possible knock-on effect of further fly-tipping. When the bring sites closed in Chipping Norton, the closest recycling centre will be in Alkerton. Alkerton is a 25-minute drive away from the town. A West Oxfordshire District Council spokesman said, In 2017, every household in West Oxfordshire was issued with a large 240-litre wheelie bin for recycling, as well as a box for glass recycling, and inside and outside food waste bins. Following a review, the West Oxfordshire District Council Cabinet took a decision on the 18th of November 2020 to permanently remove the community recycling facilities in West Oxfordshire. 
Thank you, Barbara. When I first read that, I thought they were moving it to Alfreton, which is in Derbyshire, but that's a long way to go to take your recycling. Next, we have an item from Talking News Federation Soundings. And as the 15th of February is the 50th anniversary of decimalisation, we thought it was appropriate to include this, particularly as it's an article that is read by Jane Holmes, who was a former member of the Whitney Talking News. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hello, this is Heather with an article written by Jane Holmes to mark 50 years since decimalisation in this country. February 2021 marks exactly 50 years since the United Kingdom converted from LSD currency, that's Latin abbreviation for pounds, shilling and pence, to decimalised money. Before Decimal Day in 1971, you may remember coins such as farthings, halfpennies, pennies, threepenny bits, shillings, half crowns, ten shilling notes, as well as the old green one-pound notes. There were five-pound notes and ten-pound notes too, pre-1971, of course. In the old money, 12 pennies made a shilling and 20 shillings made a pound. In 1971, these were changed to new 10 pence and 50 pence coins. Later, the one-pound notes became a one-pound coin and then a two-pound coin was also introduced. 53 years ago, in 1968, a decimal currency board was introduced by the government to inform the public about the switchover from LSD to the decimal currency. Many of us will remember this dramatic change to our lifestyles. I wonder if you remember that day. Where were you and what were you doing? It's interesting to think back all those years. I remember it well. Unfortunately, I was in hospital recovering from an operation. The highlight of my day came when my mother brought me some plastic decimal money, which I used to teach the nurses who were looking after me how to calculate their bus fares from the hospital to their homes in the new decimal currency. The next day, they all came back very excitedly and told me they'd managed to do it. To celebrate Decimal's 50th anniversary this year, the Royal Mint will be issuing a collection of celebratory coins for us to collect as keepsakes. There will be a special 50 pence coin commemorating Decimal Day 50 years ago. Other Royal Mint coins to look out for this year are a £5 coin to celebrate the Queen's 95th birthday, a £2 coin to celebrate 250 years since the birth of Sir Walter Scott, the famous author of Waverley, a £2 coin to celebrate the life and work of H.G. Wells, and finally a 50p coin to celebrate John Logie Baird, the pioneer of television who lived from 1888 to 1946. It's amazing how different our currency is now compared to 50 years ago. I wonder what it would be like in another 50 years. TNF Soundings Our next item is uh, being read by Peter and is headed Apprentice Kicks Off Passion for Sport. Hannah Disbury is celebrating National Apprenticeship Week after enrolling with Ignite Sport UK's programme to pursue her ambition of becoming a teacher. The 21-year-old, who now lives in Oxford but was brought up in Swindon, has always had a passion for sport and was often seen on the netball court 
or running track during her childhood. Ms. Disbury is translating that passion to the next generation through her placement at Freeland Primary School near Whitney, where she works as a teaching assistant and physical education teacher while studying for a level three teaching assistant qualification. As part of the week, Ms. Disbury has revealed more about her hands-on apprenticeship with Ignite Sport UK that combines on-the-job learning with face-to-face -face training. She said, Apprenticeships provide young people with an amazing opportunity to develop skills for life in a professional environment while gaining a valuable qualification and getting paid for it. I wish I had done mine much sooner. I'm still torn between going down the teaching assistant route or becoming a physical education teacher, but by completing an apprenticeship with Ignite Sport UK, I am experiencing both roles while getting hands-on experience in the sector I want to work in. Apprenticeships have allowed me to become a valued member of the Freeland Primary School team, and my colleagues and the team at Ignite Sport UK are always there for me if I need any support or have a question. After finishing school, Ms. Disbury attended college before working as a nursery assistant. But it was when browsing the internet that the former pupil of Highworth Warnford School unlocked her combined passion for sport and teaching via Ignite Sport UK's sport-based apprenticeships. She added, I know Ignite Sport UK could provide me with an experience where I will not only be getting a qualification, but also be paid and not be stuck in a classroom learning out of textbooks. Based at Oxford City Football Club, Ignite Sport UK is a registered training provider for sport and education qualifications. On February the 24th, from 7pm, it will host a virtual open event via Zoom. Thank you, Peter. And now we come to the quiz. Now, first of all, let's give you the answers to last week's quiz, which was set by Peter. And question one was, in which American city was Abraham Lincoln assassinated in 1865 by John Wilkes Booth? And the answer is Washington. Question two was how many humans were in Noah's Ark during the flood? And the answer is eight. Question three, what is the alternative name for the hedge sparrow? And the answer, Dunnock. Question four, in Dickens' novel, Oliver Twist, what was the name of Bill Sykes' dog? Answer, Bullseye. And question five, what is Scotland's longest river? And the answer is the River Tay. And now we come to this week's quiz. Question one, who painted the birth of Venus? Question two, what nationality was the writer Hans Christian Andersen? Question three, which infamous San Francisco prison was closed in 1963? Question four, on a yacht, are the sheets ropes or sails? And question five, monarch and birdwing are both species of which insect? And the answers to those questions will be given next week. We now go over to Angela again for an item which is about paramed paramedics and COVID. 
Paramedics at South Central Ambulance Service are now testing patients for COVID-19 at home, including those without symptoms before taking them to hospital. The pioneering initiative is designed to speed up handovers and release crews quicker. Currently, lateral flow tests, which are used to detect the virus in people with no symptoms who could be infectious, are only used when patients being transferred by ambulance without a confirmed test arrival at hospital in locations such as emergency departments and maternity assessment units. It involves placing a swab in the nose and or mouth, which is then mixed with a solution that finds virus fragments. Droplets are then placed into the device and a result is delivered within 30 minutes. The pilot study will see lateral flow tests administered by a trained ambulance crew to patients on the decision to transfer them to hospital. The trial involves all patients over 18 with or without symptoms who are being taken to Oxford's major hospitals, including the John Radcliffe. The process will ensure a patient has test results on or very soon after arrival. Thank you. We now go to an item which has a romantic touch as we've just passed Valentine's Day and Barbara is going to read this to us. Mark spells out feelings on a sheet hung on a bridge. With Valentine's, love was clearly in the air around Oxfordshire, but the identity of one creative Casanova, who declared his love in an extremely socially distanced way, remained a mystery. Who was the roadway Romeo, who draped a striking banner with the simple words, Leslie Partlet, I love you, from Mark? In the not obviously romantic position of a bridge over the A40, we can reveal the lovelorn Lothario is Mark Warner, who got in touch straight after seeing an appeal on the website of our sister paper, the Oxford Mail. Lorry driver Mark, 45, who lives in Carterton, has been with Leslie, 35, who lives in Whitney for eight years. However, they did not see each other for six months during last year's lockdowns. He obviously thought a dramatic gesture was needed to rebuild a bridge between them. Mr Warner said anyone can say they love somebody, but showing them is something different. Leslie goes on the A40 every day on her way to the nursery where she works, and I just thought she would see it when she comes home and it would be a nice gesture. The couple were amazed when they realised Mark's grand gesture had hit the headlines. We get the Oxford Mail every day, but we were very surprised when we saw it on the website. The good news story, which has been picked up by other news outlets, clearly melted the hearts of the Oxford Mail Facebook followers. Mark said Leslie was taken aback and overwhelmed when she first spotted the banner. She said, why did you put my surname down? Everyone will know it's me. I said, that's the general idea. Leslie added, I jokingly said to him, Mark, I wish you were more out there with your romantic ideas, as he always does the candles, chocolates and flowers. I was like, wow, 
Now the whole of Oxfordshire knows. And he said, I want the world to know I love you. I thought I knew what love was until I met him. He is my world and my everything, and I couldn't be without him. He is my best friend, my soulmate. Mark, who has two boys, and Leslie, who has a little girl, could finally be alone on Valentine's Day with the children away. As the big day approached, we asked what could he come up with that could possibly top his carriageway confession. He said, I've got a few things planned to surprise Leslie, which I can't talk about. I try to be romantic. I quite often send her flowers to work. And A40 commuters should perhaps look out for further drive-by declarations soon. Spoiler alert. Mark hinted that he plans to ask Leslie to marry him in the near future. And there's a very nice picture of the pair of them smiling nicely. Thank you, Barbara. I'll now read a reflection by Frank Topping, who is a well-known writer and broadcaster, and the reflection's called Time to Be. Somehow, over the years, I've become conditioned to fill every minute of my working day with activity. I've convinced myself that doing nothing is a waste of time. But ceaseless activity eats away my life, gulps down whole days so greedily that weeks and even months disappear with nothing to show except the vague memory that I was busy. Lord of time, help me to make time to be. Every week I fill my diary with people to meet, things to do. I keep on the move. I make little lists of tasks that must be done. I wonder if I'm afraid of being still. I wonder if I keep myself busy to avoid the real questions. I wonder if my activities are an unconscious attempt to prevent any kind of real thought. Am I afraid of simply being without an excuse? Lord, slow down my aimless race. In my hurry, my blurred vision is there. Show me, slow me down, Lord. Enlarge my life with stillness. In serenity, help me to take stock, to enjoy what is close at hand, to delight in lingering in the company of those I love, to appreciate and to enjoy every precious moment. Lord of time, slow me down. And now we come on to three more items of news in brief, which is going to be read by Angela. Rescue volunteers welcome Cash Boost, a team of volunteers who dedicate free time to searching for people in distress, has received a 10,000 boost. Lowland Rescue Oxfordshire is on call 24 hours a day to help Thames Valley Police search for vulnerable missing people and support other emergency services. The grant from the National Lottery Committee Fund will contribute to running costs. Volunteers are trained to a professional standard and vetted by the police. The initiative is funded by donations and grants. Before the pandemic, costs were covered with events and safety marshalling services. Plans for a gym revealed. A new gym, part of a major chain, 
will soon be opening in West Oxfordshire. Pure Gin confirmed plans to hire at least 11 staff for a new location in Whitney once the government allows the fitness industry to reopen. A spokesman said we plan to hire two managers, a further nine part-time employees and the gym will also be available for self-employed personal trainers to run their businesses from. However, it was not able to confirm the location of the new gym or the official opening date. And the last item, flood from pub's pipe. Firefighters were called to a pub after a water pipe burst due to the cold weather. At about 9.40pm on Thursday last week, a crew was sent to the plough in Whitney High Street following reports of flooding. The team covered the pipe to stop its leaking and cleaned up the floor to prevent potential significant damage. And now we go back to Peter <coughs> for an article about village volunteers. I like the um, the headline here. It says, Village Volunteers Hedge Bets with Nature Project. Volunteers have been pulling on their boots to help replant an ancient hedgerow as part of the wildlife conservation project aimed at creating new habitats. The socially distanced project in Bladen near Woodstock is a joint initiative between Blenheim Estate, which owns the land, the conservation volunteers and the Woodland Trust. The hedgerow will comprise nearly 1,500 native tree and shrub species, including rowan, bird cherry, hazel, crab apple, goat willow, blackthorn, hawthorn, dogwood and dog rose. Volunteers include villager Jeannie Donald McKim, who said, It's amazing to think we're part of something that will hopefully grow and flourish and provide food and shelter for wildlife for generations to come. People in the village have been very excited to be part of the project. Hopefully there will be similar opportunities in the future. There is plenty of room for more hedges. The conservation volunteers provided 950 of the saplings, with Blenheim Estate and the Woodland Trust each donating 210. The other 105 were a birthday present for Jeannie from husband Jules. The team estimate the hedgerows will take up to three years to become established and will provide a vital wildlife corridor. Since 1945, the number of hedges and hedgerows in the UK has halved. Thank you, Peter. And now we go back to Barbara again for an article about a victim who was left with a broken arm. This was after a violent attack. Four men who were arrested after a particularly violent attack near a train station had been released on police bail. At 9.15pm on Sunday, February the 7th, a man in his 30s was left with a broken arm, cuts and bruising after he was assaulted in Main Road, Long Hambrough, near to the junction with Regent Drive. He was taken to hospital and was said to be in a stable condition. A 22-year-old man from Whitney and three other men aged 18, 25 and 26, all from Oxford, were arrested on suspicion of wounding with intent to cause grievous bodily harm. They have since been bailed. Witnesses said police officers had put up blue tents by the station. Detective Sergeant Rob Platt 
of Banbury Police Station said this was a particularly violent incident during which the victim has sustained injuries requiring hospital admission. Officers have made four arrests in connection with this incident. However, we are appealing for anyone in the local area that might have information to come forward and anybody that can help should get in touch anonymously to Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. Our next item comes from the Hanborough Herald and is headed full steam ahead for Hanborough Station Master Plan. A master plan for the redevelopment of Hanborough Station is on track after a £15,000 cash injection was approved by district councillors. The idea for the plan came from a report prepared by independent consultants last year. The aim is to see a range of improvements to boost its importance as a key transport hub, reducing pressure on the A40 and integrating into a wider transport strategy, including walking, cycling and the use of a bus service. Councillor Jeff Hayne, Cabinet Member for Planning Strategy, said this master plan will map out the huge potential of Hanborough Station, which is becoming increasingly important in the overall development of the surrounding area. Hanborough has always been well placed as a link to Oxford, London and Worcester, and we can now start to realise its key role as we look to support housing growth and the visitor economy. The WODC Cabinet approved the £15,000 funding, which will be used to match fund a £15,000 grant from Oxfordshire County Council. Councillor Allah Al Yusuf, who represents Freeland and Hanborough, added, Hanborough is already a busy station and will become more so in the future. So this plan is essential for its development and that of the wider area to include an activity transport strategy. Earlier this year saw the formation of the Hanborough Station subgroup, part of the North Cotswold Line Task Force, which brings together five county councils and local enterprise partnerships. The task force is hoping for additional trains between Hanborough and Oxford. And now we're going back to Peter for our notice board and the deaths and family announcements. Yes, sadly we have eight deaths to announce this week. On the 6th of February, Michael Clark, aged 69 years, and Ruby, known as Jill Driscoll of Carterton, aged 82 years. On the 7th of February, Patrick Godfrey, died suddenly at home, aged 82 years, and John Michael Simpson Wilkes, formerly of Kencott and Whitney, died at Sobel House, aged 88 years. On the 8th of February, Angela Fairs, aged 78 years, and Roger Murfield, aged 81 years. On the 11th of February, Royston, known as Roy, Marston, late of Haley, aged 89 years. And on the 13th of February, June Simmons died at Burford Nursing Home, aged 89 years. And we extend our condolences to all the family and friends of the deceased. Thank you, Peter. And now back to Barbara again uh, for an item about diners eating out to help out. 
The heading was diners ate 1.1 million meals to help out. People in Oxfordshire got more than a million meals discounted through the government's month-long Eat Out to Help Out scheme last year. On Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays in August, diners could get a half-priced meal at eateries signed up to the scheme and save up to £10 per person. It was hoped the idea would boost the struggling hospitality industry when the first lockdown had lifted. It was so successful in the county that some restaurants extended the deal in September, making up the shortfall themselves. However, the scheme has since been criticised for encouraging people to mingle and further spread coronavirus. New data from HM Revenues and Customs shows around 1,113,000 cut price meals were claimed at businesses in Oxfordshire. It meant diners saved an average of £5.66p per meal. And then there's a breakdown of who claimed what in the different areas of the county. Uh, the number of restaurants that took part was 128. The total number of meals claimed for was 206,000. And the total discount claimed was uh, 1,239,000. And the average discount per meal was £6. The eateries were among the 7,823 cafes, restaurants, and pubs taking part across the southeast, and 59,981 across the UK as a whole. However, HMRC data only covers businesses with fewer than 24 outlets, meaning the true figures could be much higher with many fast food giants like the McDonald's burger chain taking part in the scheme over summer. A Treasury spokesman credited Eat Out to help out with protecting jobs across the UK and bringing back 400,000 hospitality workers from furlough. But research from the University of Warwick suggested the scheme may have contributed to between 8% and 17% of newly detected COVID-19 clusters, a claim been denied by the Treasury. Thank you, Barbara. Next, Palace plans for Flower Festival. And Angela is going to read this to us. Blenheim Palace is still planning to stage its large annual flower show this summer, despite the cancellation of big events across the country due to the pandemic. The Woodstock Stately Home has announced plans to celebrate all things horticultural from June the 25th to the 27th. The attraction hopes to host what it calls a riot of colour, fragrance and weird and wonderful plants in its grand floral pavilion which forms the centrepiece of the flower show. It will feature nurseries and growers giving expert advice and gardening ideas and visitors can enjoy garden talks with experts and enthusiasts. Food and drink as well as more than 300 exhibitors, an outdoor plant village and live entertainment will also be an offer throughout the weekend. Organisers are planning to proceed with a three-day event despite the nation's biggest festival, Glastonbury, being called off for a second year. The Chelsea Flower Show which is usually held in May, has been pushed back this year to September 
in the hope that it will still go ahead. Brenner Palace says it hopes to run its flower show this year as normal, but this will depend on what coronavirus restrictions are in place at the time. A spokesman said, We very much hope our revised events programme for 2021 will be able to go ahead as planned. However, this will of course be subject to government guidelines. Any events that do take place will fully adhere to any social distancing precautions and guidelines in operation at the time. We have also put in place a series of alternative dates as necessary. Oxford Forest, Carol Hawkins, does not think Blenheim should be going ahead with the event. She said if other big events have been cancelled across the country, then Blenheim shouldn't be going ahead. However, garden lover B. Foster from Bicester said, seeing that Wimbledon hopes to go ahead, then I don't see why Blenheim can't run its flower show. People are never packed as closely together as at a festival stage and are not camping overnight. Depending on what guidelines are in place, then I think they can run it safely, especially as their Christmas light trail was such a success, just as the second wave was reaching its peak. Thank you, Angela. Now, our final uh, item tonight is headed, The Census is Coming on the 21st of March. Information from the Digital First Census will help decide how services are planned and funded in our local area. The census will help direct where millions of pounds of public funding is spent on services like transport, education and health, cycle routes, schools and dental surgeries. Everyone will receive a letter with a unique access code in the post, allowing them to complete their questionnaire online. Paper questionnaires will be available on request. For more information, visit census.gov.uk. Well, that's all we have time for this week, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed our edition. We are hoping to get uh, get to get back to using memory sticks as soon as we possibly can, but that depends on the announcement from Downing Street and whether the church is able to let us back into record. It only remains for me to thank the Whitney Gazette and the Hanborough Heralds for the stories we've used tonight. Thanks to our technical expert, Rob Oxpring, and to our readers, Barbara Benninger, Peter Brading and Angela James. And I know everyone would like to say goodbye. Until our next edition, it's goodbye. 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 goodbye.